This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Foden, fantastic, Doku dazzles and Bernardo is still bloody brilliant. A real display of fireworks from City's front line on bonfire weekend as City continue marching on. It's Monday the 6th of November, I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Reports Podcast. Welcome back to another fresh, but maybe soggy, considering the weather's really turned here in Manchester uh, week. I'm joined by Joe Ricci. Joe, how was your weekend? Um, anyone who follows you on Instagram would have seen you were uh, out in the sticks. It looked like you had a lovely time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very nice. My wife got me a little uh, night away in, in northern Maine uh, for my birthday. So me, her and the, and the pup went away and... I- I was going to say, make sure you say that was with her. It sounded like she was just oh, yeah, she's like, just you get off, sending you away. <laughs> no, her right. She got, she got both of yeah, you a night yeah. away, not just you. Yeah, yeah, us and the dog. And uh, we were on like 100 acres of land, made made some fi- uh, some pizzas in the fire, made, you know, sat by the mm. water, all that good stuff. So it was great. It was great. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few partners who would actually quite like to just send their, their significant <laughs> yeah. other away without them for a weekend, uh, probably mine included. Um, right, okay, let's get straight into into the football then, because it was as obviously referenced in the introduction. And, and for anyone who isn't in the UK, it's bonfire weekend, um, or it has been this weekend, so plenty of fireworks, hence the the loose connection there. Um, what did you make of the win? Because it was um, it was a good one. Uh, Pretty comprehensive, 6-1 against Bournemouth. Obviously, three goals in either half. Um, try and avoid the main talking point, obviously, Jeremy Doku. But just in, in general, you know, what what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't, uh, I'm not like Andrew Detmer levels of like optimistic going into matches. But when we play Bournemouth, it just feels <laughs> like you can mm. confidently assume it's going to be a win and probably by more than a couple goals. Um, 
I, I think more for me when I saw the lineup, it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, a couple couple surprises here and there. I thought, you know, Vardiol would retain his place. I didn't know if Holland would play, um, you know, Akanji coming in, just, just bits and bobs here and there. But overall, I mean, I think the match was, again, kind of what you'd expect, you know, in this current city versus this iteration of Bournemouth or really any <laughs> iteration of Bournemouth. Um, so, <laughs> you know, overall, I thought it was a great match. Um you know, a, a good th- to me. The biggest takeaway, honestly, goal differential. Um, we saw, mm. you know, prior to this match week, City were tied with or below Arsenal, even on points below in the table because of goal difference. So, um, you know, to to boost that by five is is really important. And um, yeah, these are the teams you got to do it against. Yeah, obviously, City going back top of the table um, at the time of recording when this is released. Tottenham play Chelsea this evening. A Win would put them top, um, a draw would keep City top. So, you know, definitely a boost there in terms of the goal difference to, to get it up as, as high as we can. Um, I, I guess then let's move on to on, on to the main talking point, which was Jeremy Doku, a, a truly spellbinding cameo for him. He obviously, he, he, got, his, he got the opener sort of uh, midway through the first half, uh, which I think at the time sort of, I agree, actually. I said this after the game that I'm, you know, Andrew Detmer's on one end of the scale <laughs> and the complete opposite in terms of expectations and sort of predicting results. I can usually find City having a defeat against anyone they're playing, but I was going to the game and I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty comfortable, wasn't it? However, I did think the first 20 minutes were a little bit uh, sort of a bit scrappy. Bournemouth obviously deployed a very, very deep low block and it, it was going to need something like Doku's moment of magic, a little one-two with Rodri. Um, actually goes down as his only goal of of, of the afternoon, and, and obviously the, the sort of the the eye catching part of his his numbers was his assist. But just on the goal, um, wonderful incision, sort of just that little uh, sort of creativity spark to just play the bounce pass on the edge of the box with Rodri, and he's just he's just a player who is constantly looking for goal, which is sort of. I guess maybe not a shock when you look at other sort of teams and how they play, but for City, it's something we haven't necessarily seen for a good, good while. He's the, he's the anti-David Silva. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, he wants nothing to do with passing it in the net. He wants to mm. you know, take shots, take chances. I think that opener in particular highlighted you know, his growing ability, but also Rodri's, right? Rodri's continuing to be this mm. you know, chief creator in the side with Kev out. And I know, you know Alvarez has taken up kind of the some spaces that Kev took up, but I think that Rodri's taking up a big piece of the creativity, um, you know, functioning in all different aspects of the pitch. I think, you know, that little layoff may look easy, but there wasn't a lot of wiggle room around there for that. You know, there, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of margin for error. And then, um, you know, if Doku is going to be able to continue to be this clinical, we know he can beat his man. We know he can beat a couple men. We know he can create chances, but if he can finish them himself too, I mean, we talked, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I mean, oh, like, watch out, right? Mm. Like, he he is the next big thing as far as attacking players in, in all of Europe. Um, I think that, mm-hmm. that opening goal really says all you need to know about it. Um, w- w- where do you see, and I know we'll talk more about his overall performance, but where do you see his, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it because I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but where do you see his kind of future lying in City in the sense of, is he going to be a chief creator out wide? Do you think he's going to start to create mm. for himself? I mean, it seems like he can do a bit of everything, but where do you kind of see that that going? 
I think it's interesting. Last season, obviously, a lot of the goal-scoring onus was on Erling Haaland. And without sort of maybe turning this into a bit of a miserable conversation, I have doubts over how long Erling Haaland is going to be at City for, in the sense that I wouldn't be surprised. I think, you know, the elephant in the in the Haaland room, so to speak, is, is Real Madrid and the desire, you would assume, somewhere down the line for him to go and play for Los Blancos in La Liga. Um I, I do feel like he, and we spoke about this actually with Lars Sivertsen on the podcast last week about the new Haaland book he's written. Again, another shout out, another a plug. Go and listen to that if you haven't. Um, but Lars basically said I, I, he doesn't, he didn't expect Haaland, or, or he's predicting he didn't think Haaland would have sort of settled in and enjoyed life so much, and that could maybe take him a little bit further down the line in terms of how long he stays at City. But if Jeremy Doku, who is what twenty-one years old, twenty-two years old. In that in that region, if he can stay at City for the next six seven years, we're looking at a, se- a season down the line. Should Haaland leave, where he could quite comfortably finish the, the campaign with like a twenty five goal a season, maybe even thirty goal. You know, he, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but he just has that ability. I think, unlike Jack Grealish, who is a, again the antithesis. It, there's there's something to be said about trying to make stuff happen and then getting the rewards for it. And I think if I'm to have a criticism of Jack Grealish at times in a City shirt, it is that he is often... I don't know why, but he just seems a little bit tempered at times in, in, in his attack. And I would love him to just sort of maybe try those sort of those uh, cut passes in behind a little bit more because he's got the quality. For Doku, it doesn't always work. And I think one thing we have to recognise is the fact that he may be riding the crest of a wave at the moment and everything. I mean, like, you know, he gets an assist for putting a shot wide <laughs> and it going off a of Kanji's bum. Um, so, you know, he's clearly got stuff he's coming off for him. But I think there is something to be said about just having that sort of that risk taker mm-hmm. Kevin De Bruyne is the perfect example you know he speaks all the time about I never look at past completion stats because they don't mean anything right. for me I'm a guy who likes to take risks um so I think that's maybe down the line where he can get to it will for me I think it, it does matter how long Haaland stays because he's going to take up a lot of them goals so he could go from having a 25 goal season to having a 25 assist season I don't know but um, yeah it, it's certainly promising it's certainly exciting yeah and I think that's kind of where I was thinking was and again not to foreshadow too much but just even say Haaland sticks around for 10 years more the fact that it felt like last season so much of City's attack went through Holland, and then mm. if it didn't it went through and we've had this conversation so I don't need to drag it out but you know through Gundogan, Mares, Kevin with those players not available mm. like who was going to be that next player to step up this season we've seen it be Alvarez but now that we're seeing a bit more of Jeremy Doku I mean again like you said he's not going to put maybe he might not be the most clinical player but he's going to put shots on target and like we saw with the a, the Akanji goal, um, you know, that doesn't happen without putting a shot towards target. I won't say on target, but towards target, right? That <laughs> that's what you need. So um I've been I've been wholly impressed with his overall game. And I think Pep said it in the post match presser, and he said it a couple times now, like he knew in one on ones, even one on twos, he was going to be a player that could take on his man, make something happen. But he, he and I as well have been totally surprised by he's not just relentlessly going at the defender. Like if, if he sees the opportunity to, to play it back, to to recycle play things that Pep cherishes so much. Yeah, absolutely. It really is sensational. And, and I think the, the words for Pep Guardiola, I think even he's probably a little bit surprised. Um, he even came out and admitted that it wasn't, his signing, so to speak, it was it was more uh, Chicky Bergerstein who who put it forward, and and you know he looks delighted to have, to have him in the team. I think it really helps that point of difference that that just that little bit 
that that that's something extra. That's something that you know last season when City City were great, but when it didn't happen for City, it was at times a little bit stale. Um, Tottenham Hotspur away. Well, I mean Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> away is always an example to use, but it, that sort of sticks in my mind as very one-dimensional. Haaland sort of not being in the game if he gets marked out of it. City can right. struggle a little bit. Um, Joe, I just want to read out this stat. I think you brought it to our attention actually yesterday and a few other people online, but it's, it's worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning this stat about Jeremy Doku. Doku has played eight games in the Premier League since arriving at Manchester City with his four goal haul, uh, sorry, four assist haul against Bournemouth. He's taken his tally to seven goal contributions since arriving in the Premier League. A certain Anthony, he was obviously topic of conversation um, last weekend. Well, he's actually been in the Premier League a little bit longer. He's been in the Premier League for 33 matches. He's only got six goal and assist contributions. Um mm. Do you think we can confidently, do you think we can confidently now say Doku, after eight games, less than half a season, is a better signing than £100 million man, Anthony, who's been here for, what, nearly 18 months? I mean, sheesh, I'd be afraid of being clipped on how hard of a take that could be. But yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) confident in saying he's a better player, uh, a better person, Mm. and... uh, just a, a better prospect in general. Yeah, I, w- I will go as far as saying that. Yeah, I mean, it is remarkable, isn't it? Um, what <laughs> Doku, about £60 million it cost City, which is still, you know, don't get us wrong, it's still quite a lot of money, but he's already valued above Anthony on transfer market and obviously has two years on him, Doku, 21 years old. Um, quickly then, before we go to the break, let's speak about those assists because there was a real sort of variety there, which I, I enjoyed, obviously, fresh off scoring that wonder goal he, he terrorises the Bournemouth defence cutting inside doing it off the right hand side which I think is interesting Guardiola referenced this in his post-match suggesting that I would quite like him to be able to be more sort of devastating clinical on the right hand side obviously most of his game times come on the left and then we speak, spoke about the, um, the the one off of Kanji's bum. Um, fair enough, for Kanji first Premier League goal. I'm sure he would have liked to have, to have come in <laughs> in different circumstances. Uh, a similar one in the second half, sort of uh, slipping in fold and really quick decision making for that one. Actually, just to sort of maybe maybe play that pass when we may have expected him to take on another man. So he's sort of showing how he is he is adapting. But for and- me, I think my favourite is is the one for Bernardo Silva. Not only because it's a delicious goal from Silva, but that just sort of, that that quick little jink and, and sort of the drop of the shoulder and to play that pass in, kind of Kevin De Bruyne-esque as well. It It, it is. Uh, it's funny. It's one of those like, I'm not mad about Doku getting the assist because that outlet ball to, to pick your head up and, right, because I think with Doku, you think he's head down, he's just going to take on his man. Mm. To pick your head up and make that pass is brilliant, but like, that... That's all Bernardo Silva. I'm sorry. Like he, <laughs> he, he, does, he does. He does a lot when he gets. I mean, I'm happy he got the assist again. Uh, but that's what I mean. You know. It makes the goal so much better. Maybe I was being a bit sort of preemptive with the um, with the best one. Maybe, maybe it was the, the the second, the first assist, the second goal contribution. But oh, Bernardo Silva, man, come on. I'm sticking I, up for our Jezza here. <laughs> okay, I'll give it seventy percent Bernardo Silva. He um, he. To, to take on the defender and just actually almost messy boateng him 
And then yeah. that little chip goal. I mean, that that is a beautiful. That is. You could even put it across Bernard. the line properly. He, had to, he, he <laughs> couldn't even hit the back of the net. <laughs> okay, all right, we're playing that game. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was it was a great goal. It was a great outlet pass. Honestly, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's again, it's what you want to see out of Doku, right? This well-rounded game, attack from the left, attack from the right, create from deep. Um, I mean. We said it in the beginning. He's only 21. Like he, he, <laughs> Crazy. he can continue to evolve and add different facets to his game. We know how much Kev rates him, so I'm sure he's, you know, b- pulling him aside. Uh, you know, maybe during training sessions, after training sessions, and looking after him. So he's in good hands, and uh, I think he's only to get only going to get better, which is really terrifying to think about. Yeah, um, only just 21 as well. His birthday is in May. So we're talking, what, 10 years time from now, he's going to be 31 years old. And and maybe he'll (laughs) still be at City, maybe he won't, but he's certainly lots of promise there. Um, Right, okay, uh, let's move on. Let's speak about, in in fact, we'll lead on to it, Bernardo Silva. I stuck a tweet out on Sunday morning which was um, warmly received, I have to say. Usually I do get a few uh, nasty comments in the replies, but I'm happy to say this one was was sort of... Uh, <laughs> and people were in agreement. And then basically, I, just bas- I said, Bernardo Silva, whenever he leaves, be that this season, be that next, be that at the end of his sort of playing time in Europe, you know, we expect it's probably going to be at the end of the season with the new release clause put in his contract. He really should go down as one of the club's best ever players. Not just best player of the Pep era, not just best player of you know the last three, four years. He has been a transformative figure. And I hate using the term underrated because I don't think you can play for Manchester City under Guardiola, win the treble and be underrated. I don't think there's anybody, if you ask them, stop them on the street, do you rate Bernardo Silva? They'd go no. But I do think there's maybe a little quirk and a difference between underrated and underappreciated in the wider scope because you don't always see what Bernardo Silva does if you just see the five-minute highlights at the end of a game. He is a player who I don't think there is anybody in world football that can do everything he does there's players who can score the goals obviously there's players who can make the assists there's players who can do the passes but you combine all of his traits I don't think there's a player in world football that has his ability I I think my first of all I agree with all of that I think my my two biggest overarching thoughts on Bernardo Silva are one when he joined the club I think everyone was thinking he could be the next David Silva and I think the biggest similarity that they've ended up having is their consistency Bernardo Mm -hmm. Silva I mean, his worst performance is a 6 out of 10. Like, the way he impacts the game, the worst he's going to do is a 6 out of 10. More often, it's 7.5 and and above. And then the other thing is, I don't think there's a player, and you kind of touched upon this, but I don't think there's a player of his overall quality and ability who is willing to do the things that are asked of him game in and game out. He's played left back. He's played false center back. He'll he'll drop deep. He'll be at right wing. He'll be at false nine. He'll... He'll operate anywhere on the pitch. He'll do the dirty work. He'll run the 10, 13 kilometers a game. It's just a player of that quality. Most have an ego. Most are going to say, I'm going to stick to my third of the pitch. Thanks. That's all I'll do. I mean, you, all you have to do is listen to any of the thousand of recordings of Pep talk about him. I mean, he Mm -hmm. is like, if if Pep and his wife ever got divorced, I think the next movie he's making is towards Bernardo Silva. Like he absolutely (laughs) adores that man. And for every reason he should, I mean, he's, he's so disciplined. He's so tactically aware. He's just, he's a manager's dream, right? And as a Mm. fan, right. He, he's also a dream in that he plays for the badge. I kind of hate that term, but he really does. Mm. And he just loves winding up United fans, Liverpool fans, (laughs) Arsenal fans. So 
he feels like he's a fan himself in a way. And um, like you said, whenever he leaves, he should go down as one of City's greatest ever players. Just a couple more seasons, Bernie, please. You don't want to go and play in Paris. Paris is shit. Paris, speaking of overrated, Paris is certainly overrated. Um, you know, <laughs> Barcelona aren't going to be able to afford you. I'll tell you that for free. Gunduan's already complaining in Barcelona. Exactly. Don't go there. Exactly. <laughs> Just listen to Ilkay. If, anyone, if you're going to do anything and listen to anybody, listen to Ilkay. He's, he's the oracle. Um, yeah, I, I mean... We'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, but I don't understand or I don't even know where to begin with understanding how City go about replacing him. You're gonna you're gonna have to sign sort of three players. It's a bit like West Ham with Declan Rice in terms of right. the, what that sort of player offers you. You're gonna have to play. You're gonna have to buy a creator. You're gonna have to buy uh, more of an anchor midfield, but ball winning midfielder, so to speak. Um, yeah, absolutely wonderful. Um, that'll do for part one. Stay exactly where you are. Join us after the break as we continue to dissect the game against Bournemouth from the weekend. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. With me is Joe. Um, we've sort of obviously 6 1 big scoreline, but we're sort of dicing through the talking points because I'm aware City are back in action tomorrow night. It really does come around quite quickly. So I want to speak about Erling Haaland's injury. I reckon this will probably dictate a lot of the headlines leading into the, the Young Boys match, but more possibly even more so the, the Chelsea game at the weekend. Um, Taken off after 45 minutes, Guardiola was sort of. Understandably cryptic in his uh, assessment of the injury, so to speak, at full time. He basically said that he might be back in for Tuesday, he might be back in for Saturday. Who knows? Um, is it a big worry for City? Safe? I don't know what he's, how long he's going to be out for. We'll get more news on that in due course. But is City not being with, with Erling Haaland for the next, let's say, four matches, which would be Young Boys, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, I think it is, or Leipzig Leipz- as well? Leipzig, yeah. yeah. Um, is that a big worry for City? Should we be concerned? I don't think so on the basis that, like you said, Pep was cryptic, but the fact that he even floated the idea of he may be available midweek, he may be available at the weekend. What's also important to remember here is after the Chelsea match, the international break, right? So mm. say he is out for the Chelsea game, and we've seen it before, injured players going on international duty. And I believe Norway have some pretty crucial qualifiers coming up. Um Mm-hmm. but let's just say he's fit. I don't think you play him midweek, save him for Chelsea, and and you're good. If he's not fit, he basically has the better part of three weeks, three and a half mm. weeks to get fit for the Liverpool match. So I, I'm not going to say it comes at a good time because no injury should ever happen, nor should it come. There's no right time for an injury. Um, but my thought is, you know, if he comes off at halftime, 
they're thinking this game's already in the bag. There's no point in risking it, right? It, it could just be that it was a, mm-hmm. a bit of a knock, and and he, he is fine by Tuesday. Um, I think the other thing is look at the replacement. It's Julian Alvarez. Like <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll be okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm not. I'm not too worried. I don't know. I mean, do you have any concerns as far as the way that City are set up? It feels like now we're so accustomed to playing with with Holland in the side that we mm. haven't really seen many lineups, especially this season with him not in the starting eleven. Um, yeah, I totally agree, by the way. I, I had the exact same thought with the international break um, in the sense that it, it is the best time for a player to get injured if you are sort of just a week or two away from the international break. It, it was interesting after he went off the pitch. I, I did feel it took City sort of maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes and, and sort of non-coincidentally that coincided with Bournemouth's best spell of the game. Obviously, that's when they got the goal as well. Um, To kind of reconfigure, recalibrate what they were doing, I remember Kyle Walker sent a a wicked cross into the the penalty area from the right-hand side and it was just catching practice for the goalkeeper. There was nobody there. Julian Alvarez is great, but he's not going to be challenging for headers. Um, However, I feel like we've had this conversation before. City do come across as a more fluid team at times when Haaland's right. out of it. And that's no surprise because you, you're sticking in another midfielder and, it, it, you know, especially against a team like Bournemouth, it's just training session sort of stuff. You're going through the motions, you're scoring goals, etc. It'll be interesting though, you know, the Chelsea game is a big one for me. I, I think Chelsea, um, and I know there was some daft graphics going about last week sort of saying Chelsea have been playing better than they are in XG and whatnot. The wrong use of XG. But I do think Chelsea have been kind of unlucky at times this season. Their points return doesn't reflect the, the performances. Even in the game they lost against Brentford, that first half was brilliant. Um, so that is a, a, a hard game. Arsenal went there and they had to sort of come from two goals down to, to snatch a point. So it'll be interesting in those bigger games if he is there. Um, but I guess I guess we'll speak about that going throughout the week. But it, it is one to watch. At any any time about Harland's a bad time. However, what, what's actually interesting though, it's just come to me. This time last year, I think it was one week before the World Cup start, uh, the World Cup break. He isn't going to get that break, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they manage his load, um, for want of a better term, going into the, the new year. Obviously, right. he played a lot of football last <laughs> year, so it'll be interesting to watch that. Well, he also. Wasn't it around this time last year that he had just come back from injury? Because it was the yeah. I know this time last year I was at the the Fulham match yeah. and he had yeah. just come back because he came off the bench and scored that goal. He missed the Leicester game, didn't he? That was one of right. two matches before we won the title that he missed. Right, and I think I don't remember where it, it was. Some outlet, you know, I feel like these guys get interviewed all the time, but he was saying ironically how fit he had felt this season and. <laughs> All this stuff. So, again, it could be that by the time people listen to this or reports come out that he's fine and he's available for Tuesday, right? Like, Mm. I don't want to look too much into it because if it were worrying, Pep usually is pretty clear about the player's going to be out and then we'll follow through on it. The fact that he even mentioned the possibility of him being available this week, uh, I mean, I'm knocking on wood here, but (laughs) I don't don't think that we have anything to worry about. So, we should be on it. It'd have been interesting, wouldn't it, had City been maybe one nil or nil nil or even losing at the halftime break, whether or not Haaland would have come back out and they'd have risked right. him. The fact it was three nil, I think he could have even come off at that point had he been fit. Um, and I mentioned this with Andrew actually in the preview show that I don't think he's going to play young boys regardless. So. I guess it is all ice towards Chelsea, which will come later on in the week. Stick around for the build-up to that one. Um, okay, I want to do something we don't usually do on this show in the second half, uh, sorry, in the final part of today's episode. 
Uh, I want to speak about the wider the wider results. We're very much usually City focused, but I think it has been a, a pretty decent weekend as terms of results for City go. Um, obviously, one of the the big talking points from the weekend has been Arsenal. And would you guess it? Mikel Arteta's been whining again, Joe. Um, what a surprise! No, you're talking the the Arsenal manager, Mikel Arteta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. um, what what did you make of that? Because I think it, it, it's a wider contact, a wider conversation about refereeing and whatnot. But right. for me, the thing that struck me from Arteta in his post match comments after the Newcastle game, I'm sure everyone's seen the the incident by now. But essentially saying he was embarrassed for the referees, it was the worst. Something along the lines of he'd been in English football for 20 years and that was the worst performance he's seen, or something like that. And don't get me wrong, I think they maybe had one or two cases of being hard done by, but. It was the, the self righteousness really struck me. Um, the hypocrisy of it as well, because he's he's more than happy to take bad refereeing decisions, which incidentally happened in the same game. Uh, right. Kai Havertz should have probably been sent off. It, it's just it's just nauseating seeing a manager go off like that. It's it, it is, and it, what's weird is like it, it may have been because he was an assistant, but I feel like his time at City. I mean, obviously, you know, as an assistant manager, you're you're not mm. in the limelight like like Pep would be, but. It felt like he was a pretty likable guy. Like, obviously, we know how much the players spoke fondly about him. Um, but man, it feels like ever since he's gotten Arsenal, he's like Klopp's level of arrogance and just <laughs> just annoying. Like, I mean, I, I, yeah, he's just arrogant. But mm. at least at least Klopp's won. At least Klopp <laughs> yeah. has trophies to back it up. At least you know yeah. what I mean. Like, Arsenal got just a dog. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a dog and like a, a fake trophy sitting in front of them that I think is made out of <laughs> aluminum. Like, I, they, he, he just feels so entitled and mm. and like he's a good manager. He's done a good job with this Arsenal side, but like, look in the mirror, man. Like, you're mm. not you're not Pep Guardiola. I know you want to be him. You're not him. You haven't won what he's won, and even for all that Pep's won, he doesn't act the way that Arteta does. So. It's it's been infuriating to watch, and you know, obviously, referees aren't perfect. Um, I've I'm sure I've bashed on plenty of referee in my time, but the way that these these managers go about it in front of you know a media that's going to mm. now broadcast it to millions, it just it, it really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I just feel like they're going about it the the entirely wrong way. Um, Arsenal themselves releasing a statement for what is at best a fifty fifty subjective call. It, it yeah. it's. It's not helpful. If the if these guys want change, sit around a table, open dialogue with the rest of the Premier League clubs and the PGMOL and suggest ways that they think they can improve it. It's just it it, it it's 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 sort of um oh, it, they're just sort of getting angry because it didn't go their way, which is I guess natural well, for football fans and clubs it, to do, but if it feels like we're getting to the point now too where it's like a, a weekly event in the Premier League mm. where you know teams are using like Social media has great aspects, but most of it's pretty shit. And I feel mm. like this is an instance of where it's just clubs are just using their pro, their you know their platform to broadcast absolute nonsense. Yes, there's been some mm. dodgy calls, but again, that's sports. They're not they're not robots. Like these guys are going to make mistakes, and uh, I feel like I'm going to go on like my betting app and be like, will there be a you know a statement put out post match <laughs> like plus five hundred? Like it's just it, it's getting ridiculous, and and you know. It, you think it would end in the post-match press or we'll know now clubs are putting out statements. And mm. I, I just, you know, maybe I'll say this and city will put one out this week, but I don't think that they will. It doesn't seem like that's their, their PR approach, but yeah, it's, it's getting really, really hard to digest. 
Yeah, um, I've seen people compare it to the Liverpool one in the Tottenham one, which Liverpool had a genuine case to be irate because yeah. a, a perfectly legal goal wasn't given and they have every right to come out and say, you know, it's wrong. Arsenal bought hurt because the defender got pushed over and they conceded a goal, which didn't go out of play and it wasn't offside. But um, yeah, I did, I did say actually it was a, a pretty decent weekend for City. This tweet from Ali Fogg, um, the wonderful Ali, he said lots of little clubs pulling off surprises against big boys this weekend Luton holding Liverpool Forest beating Villa Sheffield United beating Wolves Man United beating Fulham um, a lovely bit, <laughs> little bit of Burton there from Ali but um, yeah Luton getting a point against Liverpool as well I for what it's worth think Liverpool will if City don't win the league I think Liverpool will um, basically but them dropping points against Luton is a bit of a, a, a big one actually isn't it you know considering nobody expected them to do anything there yeah, that um, everyone's saying, you know, Liverpool are back. Like maybe Liverpool of last season are back. That that was a <laughs> uh, a classic Liverpool, you know, mm. over three expected goals to, I know Luton had less than one and shots, you know, you look at the discrepancy, 24 to eight, like on paper. And again, that's why they play the game. But on mm. paper, that should have been a routine win for Liverpool. Could have been four or five, nothing. Um, but Hey, you know, props to Luton, right? I mean, they, yeah. they to get the goal the way that they did, I thought it was a brilliant counterattack. Um, but credit to you, Amos. You did for, forecast yeah. a potential uh, Diaz equalizer, which did happen. <laughs> it, it did feel a little inevitable. Like you said, is there such thing as scoring too early? I think there is in this case. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you told me before the match that Liverpool are dropping points to Luton Town, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week, right? I mean, that that's fantastic. Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I did feel like, obviously, given the stuff that's happened with Luis Diaz when he came off the bench, it was sort of the the the, the stage was set for him, and, and fair play to him. The the fella sort of been through absolute hell, and he's still going through hell. So, um, as much as I hated seeing Liverpool come back and get a point, it, it was a nice moment for him. Um, but yeah, very decent weekend uh, for City. Obviously, winning six one is always good, but when you see rivals dropping points in the league, it's even better. Um, Joe, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, listeners, thank you very much. If you are new around here, do make sure to hit follow and subscribe. But until next time, which will be tomorrow, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.